it is time for our prayer of illumination. Dear Lord, we love you. We thank you for the gifts of two words, the gift of the living word, Jesus, in the flesh, whose coming we celebrate at this season of the year. We thank you also for the gift of the written word, which guides us, which encourages us, which warns us, which comforts us. Lord, your word is to be proclaimed very soon, and we ask that you will use its proclamation for the advancement of your kingdom in our souls and in our community. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Is that my microphone or is that something else? <laughs> okay. Well, uh, let's. It, uh, I'm not sure. I'll tell you what, I'll move this and see if that helps a little bit. I don't know what that is. Okay. <clears throat> I am actually going to, Danny, uh, use one verse from the New Testament at least. Uh, so. Uh, I won't say I'm preaching from that mainly, but it will be part of today's lesson. Why do people become Christians? Why do they come to church every week? Well, there are many reasons. The Holy Spirit is at work in our world, uh, expressing the love of God for every human being, and we are drawn to him because of his love. But uh, there are other reasons why people go to church. And one of the most important ones in many people's lives is that they find hope. They find a reason to live in, uh, in Christianity and in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. One of the great gifts that God has for us is a living hope that is realized in the most personal of ways through the coming of Jesus to this world. The Old Testament speaks of that hope the New Testament speaks of that hope realized in Jesus Christ. I would remind you that the great apostle Paul, author of 13 books in the New Testament, says uh, that that hope is in fact from God, as he says in Romans 15, verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Notice we have um, the mention here of uh, a hope that can fill us with joy and peace. Hope is the seed which, when sprouted, brings forth joy and peace. Hope is what we celebrate on this first Sunday of Advent. And uh, according to the lectionary, the chosen Old Testament passage, which we will focus on for today, uh, comes from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 26, beginning with verse 1 and extending beyond that. Please listen as God's word is spoken. On that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. I'm going to pause right there for just a minute. One of the things that my wife and I always enjoy about Big Creek uh, Presbyterian Church, which we've uh, visited here on numerous occasions over the decades, and it has been decades, 
is the fact that you all love to sing. Uh, the Foreman family in particular, and I'm sure others as well, uh, I don't want to short anybody, uh, have been active in community choirs and various things over the years. And that music uh, is joyfully expressed in this church Sunday by Sunday. We, we sing because we have a reason to sing. We sing because of that hope, that joy, and that love that uh, is at the heart of God's gift to humanity. Um, and um, music can brighten the heart, can brighten the soul. It is fascinating to me that uh, the great prophet Isaiah, in chapter 26, verse 1, his opening line is, on that day this song will be sung in the land of Judah. Isaiah lived in a fascinating and complex period of history. Uh, he lived round numbers about 600 years before Jesus was born. And good things were happening, and a lot of bad things were happening at that time. Uh, frankly, uh, <clears throat> it was a, a difficult. Uh, it was a difficult time, actually, uh, in in the history of Israel, about 700 BC, uh, to be uh, actually more accurate. And um, an active enemy at that time for Israel was Iraq. It was known as the Assyrian Empire at that time. Uh, its headquarters were in Nineveh, based uh, uh, on the banks of the Tigris River and uh, the, the smaller of the two rivers that flow through Iraq today, the Tigris and the Euphrates. In a later generation, a, na a civilization whose headquarters was based in Babylon on the banks of the Euphrates River, the largest of those rivers, would become an even greater threat to Israel. But Isaiah lived at a time when the nation of Assyria was threatening Israel's existence. They had wiped out the 10 tribes of Israel. They had taken over all of that territory uh, in the year 722 B.C. Around 701 B.C., a well-known Assyrian king, you may have heard of a guy named Sennacherib, came to the, uh, the, the borders, the outer edges of the city of Jerusalem to try to take the last major tribal region of, of Israel and make it their own. Having taken control of the ten tribal areas, they wanted that last major one, that was Judah. And so, um, it was a time of grave threat. We don't know when chapter 26 was written, but the fact that uh, the words of this song, the lyrics of this song, which he will give to us in just a moment, are as they are, makes us think that this may have been around the time that the uh, Iraqis, the Assyrians, were attacking or were threatening the capital city, the last major city in all of Judah. On that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation is established as walls and ramparts, that is, as our protection. Open the gates so a righteous nation can come in, one that remains faithful. 
in that day, Jerusalem did not look safe. The Assyrians had encamped over 100,000, the best part of 200,000 soldiers, if you can imagine that many gathered in one spot, uh, to starve the city of Jerusalem to death. That was the hope. With the uh, plan then, when, the na- when that capital city was close to full starvation, to then just basically uh, enter the city almost unopposed. It was uh, a dark and dangerous day. It, was, uh, it looked like it would be the end for the, for the capital city of Judah, the capital city of Israel at that time, Jerusalem. And yet, um, Isaiah was able to sing a song at, the, at this time. We have a strong city. Salvation is established as walls and ramparts. Salvation would, uh, salvation would be a wall. Where did that salvation come from? From the Lord God. Israel's army was not enough to fend off the best part of 200,000 Iraqi soldiers who were better equipped overall than what the Israelites had and certainly far more numerous. Israel didn't have any hope on its own, but they did have a God who brings salvation. And that salvation would be uh, evident. It would defeat, God would ultimately defeat the Assyrians. And um, in fact, it did. God came through. He sent an angel who attacked the uh, Assyrian army and in one night wiped it out, basically, to the point where it had to limp back to Iraq without ever conquering the city of Jerusalem. It was one of the most remarkable and miraculous events recorded in all of the period of the kings uh, in, and in all of the Old Testament as a whole. It was an act of salvation by the God of salvation. Isaiah must have been thinking about that. We, we suspect that he was thinking about that as, he, uh, as God gave him this song that he recorded in his day. He spoke of another day, not a day when it would be necessarily the, uh, the Assyrians that would be at the gates of Jerusalem, but uh, a day when other threatening things might happen against the nation. Israel had faced many enemies, had fought many wars against enemies over the decades, over the centuries. And yet, the prophet Isaiah, under the inspiration of God, could look forward to a day when an ultimate salvation would come to the land. Uh, He spoke of the holy city of Jerusalem as being a place of salvation. So that he says there in verse 2, about a future day that would not even take place in Isaiah's day, but would come someday, that day, as he calls it there in verse 1. Open the gates on that day in the future so that a righteous nation can come in. The, uh, the Assyrian armies wanted to go through those gates, desperately wanted to go in, in order to steal all the gold, to steal all the wealth that remained within the land of Israel. But God uh, would protect that land, would protect that city. Not only in Isaiah's day, but in a future day, that after the salvation of God, because of God's saving work, the gates would be open, 
but it wouldn't be enemies who would come in. It would be a righteous nation, one that remains faithful, as it says there in the end of verse 2. God has prepared a place for his people. We speak of heaven. Isaiah had never seen heaven per se, but he could speak symbolically of a place where God would dwell, Jerusalem, the holy city, and in that city would be a place where the righteous would gather. Isaiah looked forward to a day when God would prepare a place where the righteous could gather together for those who were faithful to the Lord would be assembled as one in uh, constant safety and really in the presence of God. And so um, he goes on to say in verse 3, you, and he's speaking to God here in verse 3, you will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace. War is a time that creates a lot of uh, PTSD, a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress that breaks people's souls and creates long-term issues. Uh, all, all of us have heard of, and many of us have experienced, even within our own families, individuals who've been broken by the stress of warfare. It's, it's tragic. It's difficult to deal with. Uh, but Isaiah looks forward to a day when those things that cause us to lose our peace, that cause us to lose our... Um, our positive outlook on life that is possible for Christians. Isaiah looked forward to a day when God would take the stressors of life away and give uh, a time of peace to all who are faithful in him. That day has not yet arrived. Many Christians are overwhelmed by the stresses of society today, whether they be stress from inflation, from crime, from whatever it might be. We're not at that day yet. Isaiah is looking forward in hope. We, uh, that hope would ultimately be realized with the coming of Jesus, but would not be fulfilled in its uh, end result, in its final flower and fruit, until the end of time, when Jesus will come back again. But the coming of Jesus as a little baby, such as we mentioned earlier today in this service, sprouted that seed of hope that would, uh, to which Isaiah was looking, that that day, that day when hope would be realized in the flesh with the coming of Jesus. And with the coming of Jesus comes the possibility of peace, and ultimately a peace that will be realized when the full work of God is done at the end of time. You will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace. That phrase, perfect peace, actually translates a word that you've heard before, shalom. Uh, the Hebrew in this verse is unique. It, uh, it says you will keep shalom, shalom. It uses that word not once, but twice in a row. It doesn't do that anywhere else in the Old Testament. God will give not just peace, but peace, peace. Ultimate peace is the idea. Perfect peace is the way translators will often translate it. But it's uh, God will, will keep your mind peace, peace. In, in not just peace, but peace, the peace of peace, the highest quality peace, a perfect peace. For it is trusting in you. Isaiah looked forward to a day when trust would be faith, 
would be a vital part of the salvation experience. We understand from the pages of the New Testament that it is faith in Christ that gives us right standing with God and in fact gives us peace with God and peace in our souls, possibility of that. And so Isaiah, uh, focusing on that, says, trust in the Lord forever. Trust in, if you look in uh, verse 4 right there, you'll see that the word Lord is all caps. You'll have small caps for the O-R-D. This is another way of saying that's the personal name of the Lord, that reverent name that uh, is sometimes, sometimes pronounced as Jehovah, sometimes as Yahweh. Uh, traditionally, in a more reverent way, it's just simply called the Lord. But the idea is trust in the God who has a personal name, have a personal relationship with God so close that you can call the Lord by his first name, by his name. Uh, trust at an intimate level, on a first name basis, the Lord. This is how in that day, that right relationship with God that brings to peace, that brings peace uh, as hope is realized into our souls. Trust in Jehovah, trust in Yahweh, Trust in the Lord forever. Wouldn't it be nice? Uh, sometimes it's easy to, to have faith for the moment, faith for the day. You ask someone how their spiritual life is going, they say, well, pretty good right now. I don't know how it'll be in the future. It has its ups and downs. But wouldn't it be nice if we could every day renew that faith relationship with God and make it intense and vital each day as the starting point of our day to commit ourselves to God. Uh, doing that does produce benefits. Uh, living your life uh, from the, the first waking moment of the day for the Lord and in communication with God and in trust with God makes a huge difference. Trust in the Lord forever, not just today, not just for this week or for the Advent season, or maybe for the Lent season and the Advent season, if we're a little extra holy, but in fact, for every day of the year, for every year of our life. This is what the, the prophet is calling the people to do as part of uh, the experience of that ultimate hope realized through Jesus. He was looking forward to it, uh, to an event that would not occur for hundreds of years, but we can look back on that day and say, it's here. It came with Jesus' birth, and it continues and will till the end of time. Trust in the Lord forever, because in the Lord, the Lord is an everlasting rock. Uh, I know people who invest in what they think are safe uh, stocks, bonds, or whatever, safe investments, uh, bitcoins, uh, I know some people who inve invested thousands, tens of thousands of dollars into bitcoins. They thought it was a, a rock-solid investment that was going to make them a, a lot of money. And uh, <clears throat> Jim may be able to tell us that not every one of those investments that he has to keep accounting with in his accounting firm turns out in a positive sort of way. Some of these things can go south, and, uh, and this is not a good year. For, for bitcoins or for the stock market in general. 
uh, if you've invested your whole life and, hope, and, and all your hope for a happy retirement is based on money, is based on um, various investments, you may be disappointed. But I can tell you that if, you, if your hope is based not on money but on God, you've got something that will be a rock that will always be there. An everlasting rock is what Isaiah speaks of right here. Build your life around hope on, in God. That doesn't mean that you're going to avoid trouble. It doesn't mean you're not going to have challenges to face in life. But it does mean that you're always going to have one who is steady and strong and bigger than your problems and stronger than your worst enemies. You, you've got the everlasting rock uh, upon which you have built your life and your future and your hope. Uh, he goes on to say in verse 5 something that is a nice um, supplement to the picture that he has painted this day uh, in this passage of a city of salvation where the righteous can come and find safety, where they can place their hope and their faith in one who will not disappoint them. He says there in verse 5, referring to the Lord God now, for he, the Lord, has humbled those who live in lofty places and seemingly inaccessible city. He brings it down. He brings it down to the ground. He throws it to the dust. Feet trample it. The feet of the humble, the steps of the poor. Isaiah looks to a day in the future, a day which brought hope to the people of his generation, when the bad guys would ultimately be destroyed. Uh, Israel f had reason to fear the Assyrians regularly. They brought armies in to force the Israelites to give up uh, a fair amount of tax, tax dollars. They didn't have coins per se. They would have to give up grain supplies and animals and gold and silver, copper. They'd have to give those things to the Assyrians for the Assyrians' benefit. Israel, though they had survived the siege of 701 B.C., knew that that enemy would come back someday. But Isaiah looked forward to an ultimate day when God would destroy all that was unrighteous, would destroy all the enemies who had stood against him and his people, a day of ultimate salvation when all the evil in the universe would be destroyed. He speaks of it in very understandable terms to the people of his generation. The Lord has humbled those who live in lofty places in an inaccessible city. Our enemies, whether they be personal or whether they be national or international, can look very threatening, and they can do some hurt. But God says that he is the judge of all the earth, and we look forward in hope to a day when all who would hurt his people and hurt us very personally will also have to stand before the righteous judge of all the earth. And in that day, justice will be served. Hope, the candle that is lit for us today, reminds us that God is the God of hope. And that hope is a secure and everlasting rock in our souls. And it's a bright hope 
It's a, one that will ultimately be fulfilled not just in the city of Jerusalem, but in the heavenly Jerusalem, which is spoken of in the New Testament, in heaven, so that all who find their salvation through faith in Jesus will in fact be accounted as righteous in that ultimate home of safety. In the meantime, we have the promises that that which is broken now will be fixed, that those who would hurt will themselves be judged someday. And uh, it's made possible through that faith that can give us a peace that strengthens us and gets us through difficult and challenging times such as we are facing right now as a society and as a world. We live now at, uh, in that day, but at the end of this day, this final period of human history, which Isaiah spoke of as that day, we can look confidently forward to the salvation of God, which was first realized with the birth of Jesus to the Virgin Mary. May the Lord bless his word, and may he strengthen our souls in this time as we look forward in hope to the future.